0: Good morning, living loved. This morning we're going to be going through Matthew five, the first half of Matthew five, the Believer's Attitudes, the Beatitudes, and uh, we're going to give just a minute here for some people to hop on. Good morning, Luke. Not Luke, Blake. There are, there's a Luke in here too. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Wow, we got some some people really ready to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. It is a Wednesday today. Finally got my days on track now. I know what day it is. It's Wednesday my dudes. I know Blake. I'm really just a pretty boring guy with all the same shirts. But Good morning everybody. Let me just put the scripture that we're gonna be going through this morning I'm excited to share this with you guys because this is Jesus' beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. So in Matthew, Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount is the longest sermon that Jesus gives. It's chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, and they're all decently long. Especially chapter 5. Chapter 5 is 48 verses long. So we're going to do just about the first half this morning. We're going to go through verse 20. Make sure I get that pinned. And then we will do the second half maybe tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to going through the first half of Matthew this morning. There's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, it's always good stuff when you're reading the Word of God. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining in. So I titled this one the Believers' Attitudes. Um because famously Jesus gives the Beatitudes at the beginning of, of Matthew 5. Now I know that Beatitudes doesn't actually mean the believers' attitudes. It doesn't actually translate to that. I had to look up the definition this morning because I was like, man. What does Beatitudes actually mean? And the meaning of it is actually supreme blessedness. And you'll you'll notice as we get in here, verse 3 through verse 10, it's all different promises or, or prophecies or blessings. That if we are going to live in a certain way that is counteractive to the way that the world lives, then we're going to be blessed and we're going to have also a reward, right? Because for each of the blessings, for each of the attitudes that we have as a Christian that Jesus gives us here, there's a blessing because it says God blesses and there's a reward because after that it says a reward and it's kind of like a uh, give and receive kind of a thing, right? It's greater to give than to receive. That's That's biblical. Jesus said that. It's greater to give than to receive. It's greater to give money than to receive money. It's greater to give gifts than to receive gifts. Because when you give, when you're giving of yourself, you actually receive more. Right? And that's its not how the world thinks. But how the world thinks is not how Jesus thinks. That's not how God thinks. So, we're going to see that today. But... It's funny enough that B attitudes kind of sounds like it would be the believers' attitudes, and it does talk about different attitudes in a way that we can have. Lewis, you're in school right now watching this? I don't know if I should be happy or sad, but we're going to start. Matthew 5, verse 1. So, this is right after Matthew 4. We went through Matthew 4 yesterday. It's better to give Rona than to receive Rona. not so sure about that one, but... We'll say amen. All right, so Matthew 4, we just saw that Jesus started preaching. He had gone through his time in the wilderness. Before that, he had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and by the water and John, by John the Baptist. So he's come out, he's gone into the wilderness, he's been tempted. He starts preaching, and he gains this large large crowd. And we go into Matthew 5. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around Him, and He began to teach them. Verse 3. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. Or God blesses the poor in spirit. Those who know that they are poor in spirit. They realize their need for Him, right? For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So that's the first one. The first one right off the bat. So maybe the most important. Those who realize that they need God, those who are poor in spirit, who have a broken and repentant heart, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs, right? That's our promise. When we come to Jesus with a broken and repentant heart, realizing our need for him, that we are not good enough on our own, that we have not fulfilled the requirement of the law, that we need Jesus, that's when we receive the kingdom of heaven. That's when we receive Jesus into our lives. and We say, Jesus, your ways are higher than my ways. So that's the first promise. Verse 4. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforting. So there's a time for mourning, right? There's a different uh, part of the Bible, I believe it's in Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, that says there's a time for mourning and there's a time for joy. There's a time for harvesting and there's a time for planting. There's a time for everything, right? So God says, the, I bless those who mourn who mourn for lost things for mourn for others losses for the earth for they will be comforted God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the earth God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy God blesses those whose hearts are pure, or who are pure in heart, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, or people who are peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Alright, so we're going to break this down. I broke down the first one a little bit. Good morning, everybody. Verse 4, God blesses those who mourn, right? We talked about that. It's okay to mourn sometimes, for they will be comforted. That's a promise from the Lord, that if you mourn, if you're in a a time of mourning, the Lord's going to comfort you. He's going to bless you in that. God blesses those who are humble, who don't see themselves as better than others, who haven't considered that they know it all, right? They aren't filled with pride. It's the opposite of pride is to be humble, to humble yourself before the Lord and before others, for they will inherit the earth, right? Usually we think of prideful people who build themselves up and throw others down. Like that, those are the people who are going to probably rise above everybody else. But no, in the upside-down kingdom, in Jesus' kingdom, those who are humble will inherit the earth. Those who lower themselves, right? The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Good morning, Dilu. Verse 5, or oh, we just did that one. Verse 6. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God blesses each and every one of us who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If we are working towards righteousness, if we are coming out of sin, if we have a repentant heart, then we're coming towards righteousness, right? In the Bible, it says that we have been made the righteousness of God through Christ. By Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we have been made the righteousness of God. He has washed us clean. He doesn't see our sin anymore, so why should we, right? If the Lord has washed us in his blood, his powerful, life-changing, sin-wrecking blood, then why should we see our own sin anymore if he doesn't see it? We need to walk in righteousness. We need to hunger and thirst. We need to put to death the old man and come to life. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's a promise. If you hunger and thirst for it, if you really want it, if you're stepping into that, He's going to fill you with His righteousness. He's going to come close to you, right? Verse 7, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So people who are forgiving to others, who have mercy on others. If people don't reach your standard, it's okay. You encourage them. You show them how to do it right. You have mercy on them, all right? The Lord has so much mercy on us. Right? Because oftentimes we don't step in the right ways that we should. Even if after we've come to Him, we need the Lord's mercies. Right, His mercies are new every morning. We need His new mercies every day. So if we are merciful to others, He's going to show mercy to us. We need to be forgiving and gentle and humble with others. Verse 8, God blesses those who heart, whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. So if we keep our hearts pure, our, the, the innermost desires of our heart are pure. If we are earnestly seeking God, seeking to be righteous, keeping things that are filthy, wicked, out of our lives, out of our thoughts, and living for God, only thinking of His ways, like, remember, um, I forget where we were, but we talked about setting our minds on the things of heaven instead of setting our minds on the things of earth. So we learn to set our minds on the things above not on the things below. And when we set our things on our hearts and our minds on the things above, we don't struggle as much with the things below, right? And God promises that we will see God. The more we look to God, the more we will see Him. It just makes sense, right? If we keep our hearts pure, if we keep our minds pure, the more we're going to see Him every day in the little things of life, in His Word. Verse 9, God blesses those who are peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. So if we're not starting riots, we're not starting wars, we're not starting fights between people, we're not starting fights with people, if we're working for peace, actively working for peace, not just not doing those things, but also bringing people together who may have been at odds, making peace, right? We make peace with others. We make peace on this earth. If we are doing those things, we will be called the children of God because that's what God wants, right? God wants the world to be peaceful. He wants it to be as He created it to be. He created all things good and perfect and peaceful. And it's the peace of the Lord that transcends all understanding. So when we bring peace to the earth, when we make peace on earth, we are the children of God. It's a promise. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right or persecuted for righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Right, so, verse six, we talked about righteousness, we talked about longing for it, and if we if we step into that, if we're living that life, if we're living a life of righteousness, people aren't going to like it because it's against the world, right? The world does not live righteously, the world lives for itself, it did not never it never loved God, it never knew God's words, it never followed his law, right, since sin entered in. The world has been an evil place to live in. So when we step into righteousness, when we receive the righteousness of God, when we hunger and thirst and we go after it, the world's not going to like us anymore. But that's okay. Because we're going to see some more promises on this in just a little bit in the next couple verses. So when we're persecuted for being Christians, when we're persecuted for living righteously, right? There's some Christians who don't live righteously, right? They still live by the ways of the world. And does the world have a problem with those people? No. No, those, those people are fine, right? People who claim themselves as Christians, but they go to parties, or they start fights with other people, or they're living in wickedness, sexual immorality. If they're not ashamed of their sin, if they're not walking out of that sin, if they're not hungering and thirsting for righteousness, does the world have a problem with those people? No, because they look just like them. But those who hunger and thirst and who are living in righteousness, who are living for the Lord, they're going to be persecuted. It's, it's actually a promise that we will be persecuted. And it might come from the world, and it might come from other believers. But that's a promise from the Lord. But the blessing of that is the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And it's interesting how we start in verse 3. With those who recognize their need for the Lord, those who are poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And the same promise is given in verse 10 for those who pursue righteousness, right? For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. That's our promise. Once we come to Jesus, that's that's the first thing we do, right? We come to Jesus, we recognize our need for him, and the kingdom of heaven is ours. Because we have humbled ourselves, right? We go through all of these different things, these different steps. We mourn. We mourn for our sin. We, we humble ourselves before God and others. We hunger and thirst for His righteousness. We become merciful to others because God is merciful to us. Our hearts become pure as we keep walking with the Lord. We work for peace. And then by this time, by, we do, by the time we do all these things, we get to the end of the Beatitudes, we start to get persecuted for doing righteousness because we no longer look like the world, right? It's this process of coming out from the start. Of needing the Lord. Of being poor in spirit. We walk in that. All these different believers attitudes. We come to the end. And now we're living in righteousness. But we're going to be persecuted. But the same promise is given. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. It's ours. It's in our hands. Jesus said. That I have gone before you to prepare a place for you in my kingdom. And it's going to be a place much better than this place. The kingdom of heaven is ours. We are heirs to his throne. Jesus says we will be seated with him in heavenly places. If we will pursue righteousness. If we will have his attitude. And we will become righteous like him. Amen. So let's keep going. Verse 11. These are some more promises for those who are persecuted. For righteousness, God blesses you when people mock you, persecute you, and lie about you for righteousness. And say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. All right, so there's four different things that might happen to us. People are going to mock you, persecute you. That means harm you, come against you, speak badly about you, lie about you. And say all sort of evil things against you just because we follow Jesus. But he says, verse twelve, be happy about it. <laughs> be very glad. <laughs> for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So if we're gonna pursue the Lord, if we're gonna pursue righteousness, if we're gonna come to God and give him our whole body. We're going to humble ourselves before him. People aren't going to like it, right? The world's going to come against us. They're going to say bad things. But that's when we know we're doing something right. He says, be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. For there's a great reward awaiting you in heaven. And this doesn't mean that the world overcomes us, right? Just because we are living as the righteousness of God, just because we claim our, our place in heaven with him, that he's already preparing for us just because we claim that doesn't mean that the world gets to overtake us because you see what they do here they mock you persecute you lie about you and say all all sorts of evil things but does it say that they're going to overcome you that they're going to tear you down that they're not going to let you have a good time here on this earth no they're just going to say that's all they can do is speak they can just tell lies at you but if we hold on if we use that shield of faith we keep believing and trusting and having faith in God, we can put those things out. We can stand against the world, even when they're throwing all these persecutions at us, even though when they're throwing lies, when they're saying evil things about us. We know that we are the righteousness of God. In fact, our greatest response is to love them. We talked about that when we went through Romans 12. But Jesus says, be happy about it, be very glad. For then you know a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So those who were God's messengers before this New Testament, before Jesus came, they were persecuted in the same way. When the prophets spoke the words of the Lord to the people, they didn't like it because the Lord was asking them, calling on them to repent, to turn away from their evil ways and to come back to God. That's the overlying message of of God throughout the Bible. Repent and turn back to me. And just stay in my presence. Stay faithful to me and I will stay faithful to you. I will bless you. There's so many blessings available to us. If we will just stay in the light of the Lord. So that's an example. Verse 13. So we're transitioning into a little bit of a different part of Matthew 5. verses 13 through 20 but this is good as well alright Jesus teaches about salt and light here verse 13 you are the salt of the earth but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor not very good can you make it salty again it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So Jesus says, if you're going to be my followers, you're going to be the salt of the earth. You're going to be the light of the earth. So by salt, he means you're going to be the flavor. You're going to be the thing that people desire. Right, they're going to savor it they're going to want it but if we lose our flavor if we lose that attraction if we lose our our light if we lose what we have been given then we're not any good anymore you can't make it salty again it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot and then he gives the example of light you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden so though the world comes against us we are the light of the world There's going to be people who come against us, but there's people who are also going to see us. They're going to see that we live differently. They're going to see that we're more joyful. That we have been blessed by the Lord. They're going to see that, and they're going to say, "I want that," and they're going to come to the light. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. What what happens when you light a candle, and you cover it? It goes out. There's no more light. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house so everyone can see it. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. So our good deeds are to shine out. So the things that we have gained from the Lord, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, all these things should be evident in our lives if we're walking in the Spirit, if we're walking in righteousness. So people are going to see these good deeds because we put them out there for the world to see. But it's not for us. It's not for us. It's so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. It's, they'll see the difference in you, right? If you've become a Christian but you haven't changed, if you don't look any different, act any different, speak any different, then people aren't going to see a change. But if you're living differently, if the Lord has truly changed you, you speak, act, talk differently. Everyone's going to see it and they're going to say, something changed in that person. And it's to bring glory to the Father. It's to bring glory to the Father, never to ourselves. It's because it wasn't by our own doing that we became that way, right? It was only by the blood shed by Jesus and by the Holy Spirit renewing and working in our lives that this happens. Alright, last couple verses here. Matthew five 17. Don't misunderstand why I have come. Don't misunderstand why I have come. Many people misunderstood why Jesus came. He says, I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. So Jesus says, Don't forget the law of Moses. Don't forget that whole Old Testament. You can't throw that out. He said, I didn't come to throw all that away. I'm bringing a new covenant, but I didn't throw that away. These things are still of importance. The law of Moses and the writings of the prophets. He came, he came to accomplish their purpose. He's the fulfillment of the law. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He is the fulfillment of the promise of the shoot, of the root of Jesse, right? Of David's line. They said the Messiah would come from David's line, and Jesus was a direct descendant of G- of of David King David came to accomplish their purpose he says I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved so all the blessings all the curses everything in the Old Testament still speaks to us today because Jesus says until heaven and earth disappear not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear. it still stands. so if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. So if we say, "Oh well, that was you know a long time ago, we don't really have to do that anymore because it's just a really small thing, and you don't have to do it either. Uh, don't do that, because you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And we know that we can only obey God's law. We can only pursue and obtain the righteousness of God by coming to Jesus, right? That's that's the fulfillment Jesus brought. He brought a new covenant. A covenant where we can come to Jesus, receive the Spirit. The Lord sees us, as blemishless, as as white as snow. He doesn't see our sin because of the blood of Christ. It covers us. It's redeemed us. And we receive the Holy Spirit. We walk with the Spirit daily. We grow with Him. We talk with Him. We pray to God. We read the Word. We see what He says. We grow in Him. Right? It's a process. It's not just like that. It's a process. But if we continue to obey God's laws and teach them to others, right? If we're talking with others about him, we find other believers who we want to grow with. That's a very important part of, of the Christian walk. They will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. If we pursue God, if we continue to put him above our own ways, we'll be called great. And then verse 20. I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean? Why does Jesus say that at the end here? It he says, Unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So at this time, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees saw themselves as pretty righteous. They, uh, they followed the law to a T. They made themselves look great in the presence of others. They lifted themselves up. But that was actually their biggest downfall. Because the law was not given because we can accomplish it perfectly. The law was given to show us that we cannot. So Jesus says you must be, have a, a greater righteousness than those of the, of the teachers of the religious law. And that righteousness is actually found by humbling ourselves before the Lord. right? Because the greatest sin of the Pharisees was their pride. Their pride of their self righteousness. They said that by their own strength, they followed the law perfectly, and so they were greater than others. That was their righteousness. But our righteousness comes by the blood of Jesus, by the sacrifice that Jesus made. That's how we gain our righteousness by coming to God by telling God we are not righteous we hunger and thirst for your righteousness because we ourselves are not good enough to meet the requirement of the law so we need Jesus we need the Holy Spirit in us to teach us, to mold us, to shape us into the righteousness of God so don't be prideful humble yourself before the Lord right he loves to work with humble people and there's a promise right They're going to inherit the earth. We read that in verse 5. So, how do you humble yourself? You think of others before yourself. You serve others, right? If you see a need, you meet that need for people without them asking, right? You don't consider yourself as better than others. Sometimes it's just enough in your head. That whenever you think, oh, I'm better than that person. Oh, I didn't do that. You humble yourself. You say, no, Lord, I was a sinner too. I was shown mercy, so I need to show mercy. That's the kind of humbleness we need to have. We humble ourselves. We don't see ourselves as greater than God, especially, but greater than others as well, because ultimately we all come from a place of not deserving God. And we have all been shown mercy, so we should all show mercy. Thank you, Taylor. Amen. All right. Did I miss any other questions here? Let me look a second. Otherwise, we are going to pray and you guys are going to be blessed today. Cuz Jesus loves you and you're pursuing righteousness. So let's let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. Father, we come before you and we ask that you would bless us when we walk in righteousness, Lord. Your word says it, Lord, that when we walk in righteousness, we hunger and thirst for it. When we humble ourselves before you, when we seek peace, When we have mercy on others, Lord, you bless us because we are becoming more like you, God. Lord, I pray that if persecution comes against us, we will stand strong in that day, God. That the lies of the enemy and the evil ways of others wouldn't harm us, wouldn't come against us. That we would stand strong in our faith and our hope in you, Lord. So, Lord, we put our faith, our hope, and trust in you. And we give you all the praise because it is by your son's blood, by Jesus' blood, that we have been saved, that we have been made righteous, that we have become the righteousness of God. And It is all you, Lord. We are the light of the world, the city on the hill. And people see us and we say, no, it's not me, it's Jesus. It's what Jesus has done for me. He has washed me clean in his blood. He has made me new forever. And I just want to show people Jesus. So, Lord, we lift you high this morning. We say all praise, all glory, all honor be to you, God. For you are the one who was and is and is to come. You are the Almighty One, the great I Am. So we praise you, God. You are so good to us. You have shown us so much mercy, Lord, so help us to show mercy to others, to humble ourselves before others, because, Lord, you humbled yourself to the place of death, even death on a cross thank you Lord you're so good to us God thank you God so Lord I just pray that you would be present with all these people right now God that if they're listening and they don't feel like they belong they don't feel like they can accomplish this Lord I pray that you would give them your spirit strength right now to overcome all the ways of the evil one Any temptation, any addiction, Lord, your spirit has power. So, Lord, I pray that you would pour it out in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your presence and for your peace, Lord, that surpasses all understanding. And we ask for all of this and receive all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Wow. God is good all the time. That's all right, Jenny. You can watch it if you really want to once we post it. So yeah, all these lives, guys, they're posted to our Living Loved, to our IGTV, and they're series. So you can look if there's a book you're going through and you want some help, if you want a different perspective, you can go through the lives. We've gone through several chapters of the Bible. So if you're reading and you're like, this doesn't make any sense to me, then you can look and we can we can try to help. We'll walk through it with you. We, all of these lives are posted to our, to our profile. So you can look there. You can go through there if you're looking for more of this kind of stuff. And we're going to keep doing them, 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. So stay tuned. Stay with us. We love you guys. We're in this with you. We want to grow with you. We want to build a community that loves Jesus, that lives for Jesus, that lives loved. So we'll see you guys at 2 p.m.